Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome to another episode talking USC hoops on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Chris Penrose, your host. Got a lot to get to today. Obviously, big win against UCLA, uh, big rivalry game uh, over the weekend on Saturday. Uh, And then we'll get into a huge, huge weekend coming up against the Arizona schools coming to town at the Galen Center, Arizona Thursday, Arizona State on Saturday. First, let's talk about the UCLA game. Obviously a huge game for USC coming off of a big loss against Oregon and Oregon State. SC really needed this game not only to kind of get the confidence back uh, as they've been kind of playing a little bit better once the Pac-12 season hit, uh, but also... You know, you're, you're battling UCLA for top recruits all over Los Angeles. So this is a big, big game. Galen Center was rocking. Student section was phenomenal. Uh, game started out great. If you're an SC fan, uh, they went up 16-4 to very quickly. Their offense was clicking on all cylinders, forcing turnovers from UCLA. And then, you know, you knew UCLA was going to make a run. And that happened rather quickly. What UCLA did that I thought was really interesting is they went to basically a 1-2-2 zone with Cody Riley at the top. Cody Riley for UCLA uh, is a big guy. He's like 6'8", very long, strong, and he really bothered the guards up front trying to pass the ball along the perimeter. Having him be big up top uh, really made that guard-to-guard pass up top very difficult for Jonah Matthews and Derek Thornton, and that really disrupted the flow of the offense. By doing that, SE wasn't really able to get into their zone sets until about 12 to 10 seconds left on the shot clock, and then they had to force up uh, pretty bad shots. And once your three-pointers aren't falling, uh, that allowed UCLA to go on a big run. Now, defensively, I thought SC still did some good things. They switched up some man, some zone. Uh, When they went to zone, when UCLA got the ball in the middle, that's when they were able to do good things. Um, And SC, you know, they got a little tired in a couple instances. Uh, Guards weren't dropping down to help out, uh, get the ball out of the middle. And that's how UCLA really started their comeback. I thought Jalen Hands for UCLA um, was instrumental and their comeback in the first half. Um, you know, one of the, the big things throughout the game that I was watching was how Nick Kosovich was going to respond uh, guarding Moses Brown as he did not have a very good weekend against the Oregon schools. Moses Brown, a uh, big seven foot one kid from the East Coast. Uh, lot, I've seen him play a few times this year. I think he's really good, especially around the rim. Great rebounder. Uh, pretty solid uh, offensively around the rim with layups and post moves. I thought Nick Rokosevich just dominated him. And and I think Moses Brown uh, lost his confidence very early in that game. When he went to the free throw line, uh, he did not look good, did not look like he had confidence. He went 0-6 from the free throw line. He was 1-5 of from, from the paint. Um, only had four rebounds. I mean, it's just... I'm sorry, he had seven rebounds. But I think SC and Nick in particular did a really good job executing their game plan of limiting Moses Brown and really taking him out of the game. Now, when UCLA came back, they actually went up 26 to 25 at one point after SC had a uh, a 12-point lead. And the game could have definitely gone two ways at that point. 
SC could have easily folded and and realized, uh-oh, we lost our 12-point lead. We're losing to UCLA at home. We had this game, and things just aren't going our way. Uh, instead, I actually want to give a lot of credit to Jerron Brooks. He came in in the first half when Nick had some foul trouble, Victor had some foul trouble, and Jerron was really active offensively when UCLA went to that zone. And once the ball was being able to get swung from side to side and hit the and hit, and hit the uh, the middle of the zone, Jerron was able to get free down low, and he got a couple layups, went to the free throw line a couple times. He brought a lot of really good energy offensively, and I think that because of him, SC was able to weather that storm of UCLA coming back, and then they got their confidence. Three started to hit uh, towards the end of the first half. Benny hit a big three. Uh, Shaquan Aaron hit a big three. And then, you know, unfortunately, SC was at a point where they were up seven with about a minute to go. I was really hoping that they'd be able to kind of hold on to that leader, maybe push it forward a little bit. A couple bad shots, a couple bad turnovers. UCLA made a couple shots, and SC went into the half. Uh, only up three points. So it was really going to be interesting to see what happened in the second half. We've seen kind of two different UCLA teams. We've seen the UCLA team that comes out strong and can hit three-pointers and get up and down the floor and look really good, like against Notre Dame. Uh, And we've seen a UCLA team that comes out sloppy, uh, doesn't like to play defense, and once they miss a couple shots, they hang their heads, kind of like what we saw against Liberty uh, at Poly Pavilion. So second half starts, SC makes some shots, UCLA hits some shots. The first couple minutes, it's very even. And then Benny kind of came alive, hit three threes, uh, a quick nine points for Benny. Jonah Matthews got in the mix. I thought Derek Thornton played really well offensively, but it was really USC's defense. They went to a zone. They were able to collapse the middle. I thought Derek Thornton was very active defensively. He got a bunch of steals. Jordan Matthews was very active, especially in the top of the zone, getting deflections. And USC went on a 14 or 16 to nothing run. And all of a sudden you looked up and SC was up over 20 points. Uh, you know, UCLA, and I kind of said this in my, in my last podcast, with an interim head coach, and speaking from experience when when Jim Sai was my interim head coach when Coach Bibby got fired my sophomore year. Interim head coaches, it's kind of like when the substitute teacher comes in and your teacher's out for the day. You get kind of excited because you think that because the cat's away, the mouse can play a little bit when the head coach is gone. But it's hard to really take the substitute coach, or in this case, the interim head coach, seriously. And I hate to say that, but that's that's the absolute truth of the situation. And it come, kind of comes back to accountability. The head coach is very good at holding his players accountable. Assistant coaches, not so much. They can, and they can get in players' faces. They can motivate them. Uh, on SC's side, I think Jason Hart is a phenomenal motivator. Uh, and, and he's really good at, at holding kids accountable. But... I just think in UCLA's case, their interim head coach, uh, accountability uh, is not really his forefront in terms of uh, getting his players, uh, maintaining, having his players maintain focus throughout the game, especially when they get down. And you saw it firsthand in this game. UCLA just could not figure it out. 
they started to take really bad shots. Uh, how many turnovers did they have? It was inc- they had 19 turnovers with like eight minutes to go in the game. They ended with 20 turnovers. And even though this score says 80 to 67, SC was up 78 to 54 with about three minutes to go. And then Coach Enfield subbed out some of his guys, and UCLA ended on like a 13 to two run or something like that. They closed the game off uh, pretty strong. I was a little frustrated with that. I kind of wish SC would have uh, put a little bit more effort towards uh, uh, towards the end of the game. A lot of sloppy turnovers. When UCLA started to press and we had some lock-ons in, UCLA was able to get some easy, cheap buckets. So this game, the, the final score actually makes it look a lot closer than it, than it really was. But uh, you look at the stats for SC, Benny Boatwright, five threes. Uh, he ended with 21 points, seven rebounds. Nick Rakosevich, I think the coaching staff did a really good job motivating him and challenging him uh, for this game. He did not play well against Oregon State and against Oregon. This was a big game for him because you know that UCLA was going to try to go at him early. And to be honest, they did a pretty good job. He got in foul trouble within the first five minutes of the first half. And he was able to come back in uh, at the end of the first half and all through the second half and really dominate. Uh, He ended up with 21 points, 12 rebounds, another double-double for Nick. And he got his second Pac-12 Player of the Week honor which is phenomenal. Um, I, I actually wonder the last time USC had a Pac-12 player of the week, uh, two of the two of uh, three weeks of the season. That's really, really good for Nick. Jonah Matthews, I thought, played really well. Uh, he ended up with 16 points, five assists. Shaquan Aaron hit some big threes. Um, you know, Derek Thornton, not a great game offensively. One of five from the field, 0 of two from the three. But he did have six assists. I thought his defense was very good, especially in the second half. Um, got a lot of deflections. Uh, he ended up with four steals. I thought he played really well. Um, Elijah Weaver really needed to have uh, a bounce back game from his Oregon trip. I thought he was fantastic, especially in the second half. Um, and then just a just a little side note. Uh, one of the things I, I liked that I saw between Elijah Weaver and, and Andy Enfield Andy wanted to call a timeout, and he wanted Elijah to call a timeout. Elijah either didn't see him or wasn't paying attention. SC got the ball, brought it up. I think uh, Jonah Matthews or Shaquan Aaron called a timeout, and Coach Enfield got in Elijah Weaver's face uh, to the point where an assistant coach actually had to pull him back a little bit. He sat Elijah Weaver down. About three minutes later, he went over, put his arm around his shoulder, talked to Weaver for a little bit, they gave each other like a little high five, and then we and then Elijah Weaver was back out there. Awesome coaching moment. I love to see that kind of stuff. Uh, there are too many coaches uh, out in the NCAA right now, in my opinion, that just kind of browbeat their players and then don't really make up uh, and and really take advantage of those teachable moments. I think Coach Enfield's phenomenal at doing that. Um, I thought I I always thought Coach Floyd was really really good at doing that uh you know we we especially during the games uh and fans and people spectators during games would see a certain side of coach floyd a lot of the times they didn't see the soft side which uh, us as players saw quite a bit uh, great teaching moment right there for andy enfield and elijah weaver 
Uh, and so SC came out with a big win. Like I said, it was uh, the score is going to make it look a lot closer than it actually was. But 80-67, USC beats UCLA. And now they move on to the Arizona schools. Huge, huge week for USC. If they can get two home games here against two very good Arizona teams, both of which have been ranked in the top 25 at some point during this year, SC is going to be 5-2. and two. And then looking to, to steal a couple games uh, when they go on the road. I think they play uh, the Mountain Schools after that. So let's talk about Arizona. Arizona's coming off of a, a pretty solid win against Oregon State. I don't know if you watched that game. Uh, Oregon State, who plays a lot of zone, which we saw. We know SC is going to play a lot of zone against Arizona. Um, Arizona just torched their zone. I think they had 13 threes against Oregon State. And that's going to be, in my opinion, one of the biggest keys to this game on Thursday is how Arizona can attack the zone. If Arizona's hitting their threes, SC could be in for a long night. And I think they're going to have to go and play a lot of man-to-man. Uh, if Arizona's off from the outside and SC's good on their rotations, I think SC's going to have a very good chance to win this game. Now, Arizona's team, they're pretty – I mean – this isn't your typical Sean Miller Arizona team with all the big five-star guys, uh, first you know one and duns, uh, first round picks. I mean, you have some good players on this team. It's kind of interesting. There are a lot of transfers. I mean, you look down this list: Chase Jeter transfer from Duke, uh, Justin Coleman played at Alabama, and then uh, Sanford, I think. And then transferred in uh, another grad transfer. Ryan Luther, grad transfer from Pittsburgh. Dylan Smith, another grad transfer. I mean, you have a lot of, of grad transfers on this team, which is a little bit atypical of what Sean Miller usually has. I will say that uh, Sean Miller likes to try to pride himself and his teams on defense. I don't think this Arizona team is uh, particularly good at defense. I think they're going to end up playing a little bit of zone, a little bit of man. Um I've seen a lot of teams be able to backdoor Arizona quite a bit. I think SC is going to have to really work on that. Um, you know, they're really led by uh, Brandon Randolph and Chase Jeter. Uh, Brandon Williams is a big-time freshman. Uh, he's averaging about 12 points, three assists a game. Uh, Chase Jeter, 12 and a half points, seven rebounds a game. Uh, Brandon Randolph's their leading scorer at 15 points a game. He's a big-time sophomore. Uh, coming off of a subpar freshman year. Um, you know, I like Arizona's point guard, Justin Coleman. If you look at how he played the last few games, I think he's running the show a lot better. Um, you know, in terms of assists for a point guard, he's still in the three assists game uh, uh, area. I think, obviously, Sean Miller wants his point guard to be up in the five assists per game area. Um, the thing with this team is everyone can shoot. And against the zone... SC is going to have to be very, very tight on their rotations all the way to the end of the shot clock. We've kind of talked about this in the past. SC's defensive rotations in their zone are very good for the first 24 seconds. The last six seconds is where they get a little tired and they give up a wide open three. That cannot happen against this Arizona team or they're going to torch SC. A uh, couple matchups I'm really excited to watch. Uh, Chase Jeter. And Benny Boatwright. Awesome, awesome matchup. It'll be really interesting to see how those guys can go back and forth. Obviously, Chase Jeter 
transfer from Duke. He obviously knows uh, Derek Thornton really well. It'll kind of be fun to see those guys back on the court together. Um, Ryan Luther, when he's in the game, big guy, uh, transfer from Pittsburgh. He can shoot the three, can play well inside. I think his matchup with Nick Rokosevich is going to be really interesting. I think if Nick can get him in foul trouble early um, and Nick can kind of you know be able to guard him on the perimeter, I think that's going to help tremendously. Can't let guys like Ryan Luther, Dylan Smith, and Ira Lee be able to hit threes and score. You're really going to have to limit the points um, to two guys. I think if SC can keep... Uh, you know, Brandon Randolph and Brandon Williams in check on the perimeter and they rebound the ball and they don't turn the ball over, SC will win this game by five or six points. Now, Arizona State, on the other hand, that's really a Jekyll and Hyde team. You, you don't know what you're going to get with Arizona State. I mean, they you don't know if you're going to get the Arizona State team that beat Kansas when they were number one in the country, or if you're going to get the Arizona State team that gives up a 14-point lead and loses by 10 to Utah and can't figure it out and loses by 14 to Stanford. You, you just don't know who you're going to get. The one thing that you that you do know about Arizona State is they're led by Lugan Stort, who's a freshman from Canada, 16 points, four rebounds, two assists. He He's an all-do-it kind of guy. He can take you... Off the dribble, he can shoot the three. He can give you a jab step and a step back for a mid-range jump shot. He can do a little bit of it all. Great rebounder, big force down low. Um, he's a guy that I think Benny Boatwright's going to have his hands full with. Remy Martin's the point guard, uh, averaging 12 points, three rebounds, four assists a game. He's very streaky. His What he likes to do is he'll like to come off a ball screen. He likes to hit that 12 to 15 foot uh, pull-up jump shot. Uh, around the uh, the free throw elbow. He's a guy that point guards and guards are going to have to really contain. Zylan Cheatham, a guy that I know really well from his days at San Diego State, he's very streaky as well. Incredibly athletic. You're going to have to box him out because he's going to fly in on the offensive boards and he's going to try to put the ball back every single time. Good defender, blocks a lot of shots. His perimeter shooting game is a little suspect. I think if you're SC, you're really trying to force him to be a shooter, not a driver. He's a guy that's been averaging 12 points and about 10 rebounds a game. And then as you go down the list, they have you know Tayshawn Cherry. He's coming back to Southern California. That's a guy who's a five-star recruit. Obviously, you probably know the story. Came, uh, came to SC, uh, committed to SC, signed his letter of intent. Um, and then and then wanted to pull out when everything with Tony Bland started to happen. Um, I don't know what's going to end up happening with him. Um, you know, there's a there's a good chance that he could be one and done. People say. I think he is an okay player. I don't think he's a great player, especially right now. Um, but it'll be fun to have him uh, come to SC um, and kind of have a little bit of a reunion with the coaching staff. So, I mean, it really just depends. Arizona State's going to want to get up and down the floor. Um, they're going to they're gonna try to you know, play man-to-man defense. Uh, Bobby Hurley, is, uh, he's a character. Uh, I personally think uh, the way he coaches is rather annoying. <laughs> uh, he's he's uh, very animated. Um, 
he'll probably get very, very close to getting one or two technicals. But, uh, you know, I think he's a good coach. He's a good recruiter. Um, you can't argue with his success that he's had uh, at ASU. But, um, you know, this is a game where if SC can pull this one off, along with Arizona on Thursday night, I think they're looking really good for being a top contender in this conference. Obviously, Washington's still kind of leading the way right now, and Oregon State's up there, uh, and obviously Arizona's up there. But I think if SC can pull off these two home wins, they're lo- they're standing at 5-2, and two, going into the mountain schools. I really, really like what I can see from this team moving forward, if that's the case. So... We need the crowd. We need that energy we had at the UCLA game. Um, obviously, you know that Arizona is going to bring their fans. I'm going to hear that stupid U of A chant, I'm sure. But uh, we need SC to come out and support Thursday night and Saturday night. Uh, if you remember, uh, at, Arizona, at the Arizona schools last year, SC was swept. The Arizona State game was very frustrating. SC was up seven at uh, the four-minute media timeout. Arizona State came back, ended up winning it. Um, so th- this is this is the big one. This is this is a, a pivotal point in SC season, in my opinion. Pivotal point. They need these two games. Build off that big rivalry win against UCLA and protect your home court against these Arizona schools. Very, very excited for this weekend. I can't wait. Can't wait. I'll be at both games. I hope you show up too. Well, that's it for this. Uh, Thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Feel free to reach out with any questions. Uh, CPenrose10 on Twitter and CPenrose10 on Instagram. See you at the Galen Center this weekend and fight on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.